1: Yeah, and I think that's important, too. I've said for many years, and we've talked about it, in my opinion, the guys at the top, the only thing they actually fear is, one, being Sri Lanka and or Momar Gaddafied by us, and two, is another one of their guys taking them out, right? So it's like a general mm-hmm. taking out a general. Uh, and we see that in the case of, let's say, in politics, like a Rod Blagojevich going to prison. Why'd that happen? That guy obviously pissed off somebody who was a step above him that said, oh, really? You've got big balls? Well, I mean, this is what we do to all the dictators that we've installed over the years, from Saddam Hussein to Noriega and others. We install them, and then as soon as they step out of line or they get big balls and think they're so important and powerful, we go, all right, take him out, show him. <laughs> He's not really the boss and put a new guy in. And so they I think you're they right. They in the club. They're not in the club. Yeah. Yeah, and I i mean, I do agree with that because the way I see the structure in simple terms is you have like the 0.01% that would be up there with the, the Rockefeller levels. And then you've got the 0.99% that are really all the people we see that we perceive in positions of power, these oligarchs, these CEOs, the politicians. And then you have the lower 99% that's just all of us that really are the worker bees. The other thing is, I've said before too, this is where I think a lot of the technology possibly might not work, is if these guys made a mistake, and let's just pretend the jab was poison or it gives people chemo brain or whatever the hell it was. If they went and they infected and hurt a bunch of the worker bees and you have a bunch of incompetent buffoons running around, which there was a lot of incompetent people before COVID land. Well, all of a sudden, if, if you just... you know screwed up your scientists your engineers your programmers your technologists and all the people that have actually been building the technology for you you just lost your workforce like that that would be the equivalent of back you know if you believe the story of you know the pharaohs building the pyramids and they're using all these slaves and then you go okay let's poison all the slaves and they're not done building the pyramid yet and now all of a sudden you got a bunch of sick slaves that can't finish building your pyramid now what do you do So, I I mean, I've thought about that, too. I'm like, they may have made mistakes. They may have jumped the gun, and now they find themselves um, in a position where they don't necessarily have the workforce to continue building it out as fast as they wanted to get it done. Right. So, so.
0: we'll see how much the backpedaling is real um, and what their plan B is. We'll find out. Uh, This is more of the same. Just keep, keep scrolling.
1: Okay. All right folks, we're back to the document here. Yeah, we're gonna finish this document. We're doing it. Today is I the day this was hundred fifteen We've largely
0: covered it. Yeah, it's hundred and fifteen pages. We we've largely covered it. So we're at oh, scroll back up. That's an interesting chart. Scroll back up.
1: Oh uh, this That's one or above chart. it? No. no, no. no. Oh, the, above. It. This one. Yeah. What year does that one on the left go to? That is, uh, let's take a look. Hold on, we'll zoom in on here. That's eighteen hundred. Evolution of energy systems in absolute and relative terms.
0: Scroll back, zoom back into the chart on the left, so I can read the whole thing. Let's take a so look. So it's first. got terawatt hours. Okay, keep scrolling to the right. So okay, so it's got uh, oh, other man. renewables: solar, wind, nuclear, hydro, natural gas, crude oil. Uh, coal, and then traditional biofuels. And it goes back to 1800. Um, well, out of the terawatt hours as of 2017, I don't know, Dustin, what, 90% of that is natural gas, coal, and crude, crude oil.
1: Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is just I traditional. I don't even know why they labeled solar. You can't even see the line. I know. And then what is down at the bottom? Traditional biofuels, coal, crude, natural gas. Oh, yeah. And Hydropon. then... Yeah. Basically nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, okay. Yeah. Keep going. All right. We're gonna keep going down this document. Now, Jim, one of the cool things I think you should put on your resume now is that I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure you are the only person in the world who has actually read this document. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out other than people like yourself that are making investments, who actually reads these things? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when seriously, I... like, is it just a pencil pusher guy? They turn this over to, I don't know. Or is this just like writing a really long business plan? So when you hand it to someone, that's going to be one of your henchmen, they just get it in the binder and they go, okay, this must be real. All right, thanks. We'll make sure we do that. We'll put up the smart. polls, Yeah. Balls, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Oh, I think we're done. Wow. We went through this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, are these all the, uh, oh, here's the authors. This is, I always find this to be interesting though. These are the guys they credit to this. Patrick Uh Bolton. Columbia university. (laughs) Morgan Desprez bank bank of France. Luis Pierre da Silva bank for international settlements. Friedrich mm-hmm. Samana, a Monday,
0: he's in responsible investing and another guy from bank, of bank of France.
1: Yeah. That's it. They credit this whole paper to only five people. Come on. Yeah.
0: All right. What yeah, do you want five to, uh, people
1: with a staff of a thousand? Let's see. What do you want to look at now?
0: Go back to the folder and just pick a document. I don't care.
1: Oh, just put, we're going to do uh musical documents. That's what I need to have is a, a song that comes on here. Well, I sent you what, five tranches? So, Oh, my God, let's, yeah. Let's,
0: we got to get through this first tranche.
1: All right, hold on. I'm going through here to figure out where we were. All right, so now we've got, I'll read off some of these to you. Actually, here, we'll pull this up on the screen. Just pick one, I don't care. Uh, let's see, we've got um BIS, uh, Project Bridge. Did we go over that? I've talked about it. I think you here. read.
0: I think you read that, and I read it independently. So
1: yeah, um, BlackRock go over the blue. Go, to, go
0: over the Blue Carbon Coalition.
1: Blue Carbon Coalition. All right, yeah, we'll do that. Pull that one up. All right, let's take a look at this one. Oh, this is only two blue, pages. So.
0: Yeah, the Blue Carbon Coalition <laughs> gathering governments non-governmental actors, and private actors, which means NGOs and corporations. The Blue Carbon Coalition aims to accelerate investments in coastal carbon sinks. New term, they made up.
1: Coastal 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 carbon sinks?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coastal wetlands, mangroves, salt marshes, and seagrasses have an outsized role to play in mitigating and adapting to climate change. When protected or restored, these ecosystems sequester and store globally significant amounts of carbon in the plants and soils beneath them, known as blue carbon. Now, let's just pause right there for a second. Yeah,
1: That's how they're going to hijack all that stuff.
0: So if anybody has any vaguely familiarity with what happened to uh, you know, the Everglades down in Florida and the destruction of that, do you, do you have any recollection, recollection of what happened?
1: I remember following that years ago. What, what exactly did they do? Did that have to do with farming or no? It did. It's all the chemicals,
0: agrochemicals runoff caused the damage of the Everglades. So the big corporations that pushed all the big farm chemicals and caused the damage to the Everglades are now telling us we have to save them.
1: Yeah. And that, uh, that, that all tie into that red tide and everything. That was all part of it, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Continue. We destroyed it. Now we must save it by giving it yeah. to us. I can't yeah, it. Yeah, make it bigger.
0: There we go. The Glasgow cop 26 marked an inflection point in the recognition of blue carbon as an essential nature-based solution to climate change. The goal is to develop conservation models that benefit the livelihoods worldwide with a focus on least developed countries, indigenous peoples, and local communities, (laughs) i.e. we have to, you know, develop the South. We have to
1: industrialize the primitive folks. That's what I keep telling the audience. You're going to sit here and tell me that some guy, you're supposed to believe some guy running around in a loincloth that hunts elk with a wooden spear is a polluter. <laughs> well, it's, 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 not necess- it's not yet.
0: What they're going to do is they're going to develop the Southern Hemisphere, and then when the same problems we've seen, like with the Everglades I just mentioned, then they're going to point the finger
1: at the local communities in the Southern Hemisphere saying, it's your fault. Exactly. No, that's what it is. And then the solution to that is yeah. carbon... Carbon credit based central bank digital currency. Yeah.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh,
1: I don't know. Pick another document down there. Carbon pricing leadership something. It's a carbon pricing leadership coalition. One planet summit. And there's the carbon pricing leadership report. The report might be too big.
0: This one's two pages. We'll go through this one.
1: All right. Let's look at this. This is the uh, leadership coalition. Yep. So there's, they, w- they want to
0: implement an ambitious pricing for carbon to enhance global understanding of carbon pricing as a tool for accelerating and financing effective climate action. Its purpose is to promote carbon pricing as an effective tool to reduce emissions so that 50% of the global emissions are covered by carbon pricing by 2030. <laughs> Strengthening carbon pricing policies to redirect investment commensurate with the scale of the climate change. That's no different than a tax, folks. In 2018, carbon pricing in the Americas platform was created. Since then, three countries, namely Argentina, Chile, and Colombia, have implemented carbon pricing, and Canada and Mexico are currently implementing carbon markets. Quebec and Chile, co-chairs of the CPA, which is the carbon pricing in the the Americas platform, invited governments across the Americas to endorse the Glasgow Declaration on Carbon Pricing in the Americas. So they want carbon pricing, but they got to sell it first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, man. It's crazy. All right, let's take a look. Um carbon pricing leadership report, carbon budget info final.
0: Yeah, carbon? do that one. We'll do the graph. The graph? All right. Let's take a look at this. Oh yeah, this this is this is good. All
1: right.
0: It's called balancing the budget. Oil and gas companies cannot be considered Paris compliant if they are prepared to sanction projects that would take the world past the limits. Okay. Scroll All down. Right. I highlighted something on here. I know I did. Nope. No highlights. No. All right. So basically what they've got is it's got this really cool graphic thing. I can't see the top.
1: Oh, you want, uh, hold on.
0: I was yeah. trying to get down to the so bottom. So basically what they're saying is oil and gas companies are non-Paris compliant where they spend money uh drilling for for new oil and gas exploration and production. Okay? Mm. And the ones that are compliant will not will not be drilling, you know, past a certain uh year, 2030. Right, but they want blue hydrogen, which comes from natural gas.
1: So this makes no sense. <laughs> well, what's the, and let me ask you, what's the purpose of that? Is that to drive small drillers out of the business, or are there no more small drillers anyway? I don't know the business. Oh no, no, this is this
0: is all just to get the carbon carbon credits, and, and you know we got to end fossil fuels.
1: We're getting end fossil fuels. That's all this is. Funded by the guys that own the fossil fuels right <laughs> uh, which by the mention? way
0: i did find reading the rockefeller book remember they made that announcement i don't know five or six years ago that the rockefeller family was going to divest from their oil and gas investments meaning exxon and chevron their two biggest holdings yeah remember that there was yes. a whole like press thing about it. it was all over cnbc well they didn't do it they didn't do it because they felt like they needed to keep board seats to affect the change from within, so they kept it. And it was only coming from one small family fund, and they've got like ten of them. So,
1: <laughs> well, that was just like the uh, article that you reviewed from the Texas Legislature with uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and stuff, where they talked yeah. about. Like, oh, well, we can't divest from these terrible fossil fuel companies because this is how we're able to affect change by having board seats inside yeah. these companies. Yep. All right, let's take a look. Uh, carbon Place is a global carbon credit transaction network that will enable the simplest oh, Just go trans- in order
0: so we, we, you can remember which ones we've covered.
1: All right, well, let's look at this one.
0: All right. This one's
1: good. Carbon Place's
0: unique nope. blockchain-enabled distributed ledger, distributed ledger technology will
1: fundamentally change how carbon credits are bought and sold. Hold on one second. For some reason, <clears throat> some of these won't let you. It won't let me. Uh, here, I'll read the rest. you want me to read it? No, you can it's read it. Of... I can't see it. Yeah, it says a uh, voluntary carbon market to scale and accelerate global climate action. Backed by banks with a global client base, Carbon Place will connect the markets, registries, and exchanges of the voluntary carbon market directly to millions of customers in different geographic markets. And then there's a chart here or a map. The map, a map of the world, different colors. Yeah, uh, let's see here. And then you've got this highlighted. Where the emerging world at carbon markets meets the established world of banking. And they have, it's a settlement technology, it's a distribution network, it's a wallet.
0: And these wallet things are popping up all over the place now. I've seen them at, uh, at uh, about banks. I've seen like the Apple wallet. I've seen it in stores. The wallet is becoming... Uh, a common phrase getting into the public so be aware of
1: that there was just something else i don't know if it was an article i know we didn't cover it with you because it had been between the last time you were on it had to do with another wallet that was being launched oh was it a partnership coming out of zelle that had to do with so. a digital yeah, wallet so. it was again all the big yeah. banks coming together to develop a digital yeah. wallet yeah yeah all right so um the question is, because you said this one might be too big, the Carbon Pricing Leadership Report. Well, let me just pull it yeah, up and we'll see. Yeah, let's pull it up. Yeah, pull it up real quick. Yeah, that's actually 49 pages. We could probably so we blast through it. it. If you're going to go at the pace yeah. that you've been going. All yeah, right, we, so can, we car- can blast through this one. Uh, hold on, let me zoom in on this. Ooh, they've got a pretty little uh, 1970s-looking cover here. Carbon Pricing Leadership Report 2021-2022. Oh, this is the Carbon Pricing Leadership Coalition. Glad to know they exist, folks.
0: <laughs> you want me to just oh, scroll, scroll down through up, here?
1: Scroll back up here on the,
0: uh, right there. Uh, I can't see the bottom half. Of oh, thing.
1: I see. Is this highlighted?
0: Yeah. Okay. With less than a decade to go before the Paris Agreement's 2030 deadline, collaboration and knowledge sharing is more important now than ever before.
1: Ooh, yes it is. Hurry up, Uh, folks. You're not going fast enough. Mary Pangastu. Okay, here we go.
0: The good news is we already have many of the tools to facilitate a transformative shift towards net zero future, pricing carbon chief among them. And while coverage coverage and price levels are still too low, less than 4% of the global emissions are currently covered by a carbon price within the range needed by 2030 to meet the Paris Agreement temperature goals. There are clear positive signs. So only 4% of these emissions are covered by carbon credits at the moment or carbon taxes and prices whatever. Mm-hmm. The World Bank group is uniquely poised to support clients to prepare plan build capacity and implement carbon pricing policies. Now why would the World Bank be involved in creating a carbon pricing policy for New Hampshire?
1: <laughs> right yeah it's 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 crazy man oh hey listen and then the other thing is when you're coming across this, And I see, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched television news in years. What is the current, um, what's the current propaganda narrative to the general public? If all this stuff doesn't happen, are they still saying like the, the, the New York city is going to end up underwater? People are just going to burn to death. I mean, do they even try to push it forward or is this just happening? They don't care anymore what people think. I have no idea. I don't watch the media at all. Yeah, I'm just trying, I'm wondering what the front-facing propaganda is at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like if you said, listen, we need to get all this done by 2030, otherwise everyone's going to fry up in a solar flare, then uh, people will go, oh, okay, do whatever you're going to do. But I just don't even know if they push that on TV anymore or they just keep moving forward with this at this point. Don't know. At least uh, this is Justin Trudeau here.
0: Yeah. Just saying commitments alone are not enough. It must be backed up by policies and actions. In other words, they're saying actions speak louder than words. At the same time, they're saying do as we say, not as we do.
1: They say actions speak louder than words, and then they have a whole lot of words in these documents. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, He's calling
0: to... on governments and businesses to make new carbon pricing commitments. For those already pitching or pricing pollution, it could be a commitment for higher to higher prices, expanded coverage, and techni- technical support for emerging systems. And I can't read the comment.
1: It says this tax doesn't appear to be a large percentage of goods and services. Banksters do not need to be greedy when they are taxing the entire global gross domestic product.
0: And it can be a small percentage.
1: All right. You want uh, this one, Juan Carlos Jobet. Are we reading this one or no? Scroll down. Uh, this one. Um, nah, it's fine. Nah, don't basically, worry
0: about it. Basically, this entire document is saying, hey, we need carbon pricing globally. Right that's what this entire document is talking about.
1: Yeah. And when you say carbon pricing, Jim, you mean putting a penalty, a tax uh, yes. on the carbon and then that ties into what would be the carbon credit system. Right, cuz it gives the value to the carbon credits. Right. Right. So the
0: way the way which, this works which they're giving to themselves.
1: Yeah. So, wait, so just explain this in simple terms. So, what they're doing is they're assigning a value to the release of, let's say, one ton of carbon, right? Like, let's say, uh, so they say whatever. One ton of carbon released is a penalty of whatever, $5,000, right? And then they're creating all these credits that you as a polluter can buy from essentially bis right if you back it all the way up um you're gonna end up buying a carbon credit so if you run a mom and pop uh i don't know pizza shop and they deem you to be um exporting uh i don't know 10 tons of carbon into the atmosphere every year from your pizza ovens they can literally turn around and say you have to buy 10 credits from us at $5,000 a piece for $50,000 and then you're allowed to push that carbon into the atmosphere I mean is that I mean in simple terms yeah. that's what they're doing yeah they're basically these these companies are not going to be
0: putting more less CO2 into the atmosphere in general on a global scale okay they're just going to be forced to buy carbon credits from the elite banks
1: Right, So either so they, got, one, they have to have this carbon pricing system to know what they're worth. Right. So then what's going to happen at that level is either, one, the business is not going to emit any carbon because they're going to go out of business. Uh, two, the price of your pizza is going to double because these guys have to make up the difference somewhere.
0: Uh, or three. Well, two is big. Yeah. too is big. Carbon pricing is to basically price human beings, social engineer the population into buying the things, spending money on the things they want you to spend money on. Right. Which is not a hamburger.
1: Yes. Right. Unless so they're going to drive Yeah, so they're going to drive up the prices if the yeah. if the small mom and pops have to play into this, they're going to most likely be driven out of business because they're just not going to be able to afford it. I mean, even like you said, they're going to end up having to end up, what was I, joking around with, like, carbon books, just to be able to track this stuff and make your reports to the government or whatever agency is going to oversee it. So you're going to have to track it. Then you're going to have to have the cost of buying the credits. And then, uh, and like you said, you're going to have to build that into the cost of what you're selling to the consumer. So you might go out of business anyway. Yep. Meanwhile, all these other guys – so if all of a sudden – elon musk goes and he buys up all the independent mom and pop pizza shops in the united states he could get away with it because he can offset it with all of his carbon credits that he gets on behalf of tesla bingo how is yeah. exxon going to be net zero they're going to
0: still have oil and gas wells they're still going to drill new oil and gas wells but they're going to create a whole shit ton of blue hydrogen and capture a bunch of CO2 for the carbon credits to, to net off the carbon supposedly they put into the atmosphere with the oil and gas wells.
1: Yeah. It's a scheme. It's just a scheme. Yeah. And then the thing is, what people, it's not just with this, it's with everything. Like, just like we talk about the big industry over the years, writing all of the... Uh, laws and regulations that get passed down through right. their lobbyists to Congress to pass, and you go, wait a second, why would Exxon want to have all these crazy laws and regulations that they have to comply with? Why would they write right. that? Well, they could afford to do it. The idea was to muscle all the small guys out who can't afford to comply with all of the new laws and regulations. It's just destroying the what's left of small and medium sized businesses.
0: Right, and forcing them to close or sell. On? Exxon. Who's that?
1: Rockefeller. (laughs) At this point, uh, I don't even think you have to ask the question anymore.
0: (laughs) Who owns? Well, they had a chart. They had a chart in the book when Standard Oil was broken up. Who owns twenty five percent of
1: everything, Jim? (laughs) The Rockefellers. (laughs) I mean, almost anything. Standard Oil
0: was broken up. What was it? Okay, so the, the standard oil company, okay? At the time of the break breakup, Rockefeller owned 25% of the shares and retained the same percentage of shares in all of the new companies, okay? Now, here's the new companies. Exxon, Mobil, which are now one company, Chevron, Amoco, Marathon, Sohio and KYSO, KYSO was merged into Chevron. Uh, Amoco and Sohio, which was Standard Oil of Ohio, became BP. So they owned basically twenty five percent of Exxon, Chevron, BP, and Marathon. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and then the thing is, did you ever figure out, uh, or did you see when they broke them up? Um was that that was was that actually coming after them or that was all done intentionally as some sort of a Machiave, machiavellian move um the latter <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they, they were broken
0: up but they didn't lose the monopoly
1: <laughs> right no yeah. i'm just wondering if we went back in time and looked at that move in context what was the reason they even broke it up was there like a public outcry what was the or was it, um, yeah, there just, was some public, just kind of a big controlled opposition move.
0: stuff. So like, okay.
1: Yeah. So we'll make it look like we break them up, but we're not really going to break them up.
0: I can read it to you. Uh, the book, hang on. Oh, you
1: have it, that? Yeah. Oh, it goes through that in there. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Read a little of that book. I mean, I'm telling you the, the, the stuff that you've been sending over from that has been phenomenal. In 1911, the law finally cut up with
0: Rockefeller, resulting in Standard Oil being divided into 34 smaller companies. The most powerful were Standard Oil of New Jersey, uh, which later became Exxon, Standard Oil Company of New York, which became Mobile, uh, which had its headquarters at Rockefeller Center before moving to Houston in 1989. Uh, The damage still turned out to be minimal as Rockefeller was well prepared for this eventuality and then I just read this at the time of the breakup they own 25% of the shares uh, and retain that same percentages of the new companies in a short period of time the original value of his stock increased 500% while he retained control over all of the individual companies
1: wow after the breakup yeah wow that's cool yep brilliant brilliant